Welcome to my friends. This is Glenn. And this is Linda. Well, hello. And it's so nice to have you with us. It certainly is. We've had a busy week, haven't we, Linda? I guess it's, I guess that's usual for us. Yes, it is. Glenn has continued to have health issues. At the time of this recording, it's the third week in, in February, and he's been sick since the beginning of November. Please well, pray for him. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's been a long fight, but we're prayerful that the doctors have finally figured out what's going on, maybe. I get some heart tests this week coming up, so be in prayer about that. I get a stress test and a echocardiogram. We've missed four playing engagements because of this illness. And that's awful. But I have been able to get the podcast out, and for that I'm grateful. We've also completed the design and build of our sound system. We use a wind controller sound synthesizer in a lot of our recordings, and we've been incorporating that into our live program. And we are excited about this new addition to our program. You know, as long as I'm kind of sitting back in the chair, I'm able to do this work, so I'm really grateful that I got to do that. Well, this week we're doing a study of the names of God, and our song is Take the Name of Jesus With You. And the words to this song are, Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Take the name of Jesus ever, as protection everywhere. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. At the name of Jesus bowing, when in heaven we shall meet, King of kings will gladly crown him when our journey is complete. Now, Glenn, let's listen to Forgiven sing our song for this week. name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you, take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Take the name of Jesus ever, as a shield from every snare. When temptation round you name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, oh the precious 
precious name of Jesus, how it thrills our souls with joy. When his loving arms receive us and his songs our tongues employ, precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth bowing, falling prostrate at his feet. King of kings in heaven will crown him when our journey is complete. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Linda, tell us about the author of this song. Lydia Baxter lived her life in bed as an invalid for the majority of her adult life. However, she is said to have had a cheerful and patient manner. She was born on September the 2nd, 1800, to Jonathan and Mary O'Dell. She found her faith through the preaching of Baptist missionary Eben Tucker. Lydia and her sister are said to have been responsible for establishing the Baptist Church in Petersburg, New York, her hometown. Linda, did she have time for a family in the midst of all this? She did, Glenn. In 1832, she married John Baxter, a ship Chandler. He moved to New York City. She moved to New York City to join her husband. The couple had three children together. Her home was always open to preachers, evangelists, and Christian workers. Many Christian workers gathered at the Baxter home because of the beloved woman's cheerful personality. Despite her physical incapacity, Mrs. Baxter's spirit was in fellowship with the Lord, and joy filled her heart. Preachers, evangelists, and Christian workers sought her out for comfort and encouragement. She would share with those who asked, how could she be so joyful in the midst of physical pain? The secret was in the name she often whispered. I have a very special armor. I have the name of Jesus. When the tempter tries to make me blue or despondent, I mention the name of Jesus, and he can't get through to me anymore. What a great testimony of taking on the likeness of Jesus, Linda. Yes, it is. Lydia Baxter enjoyed teaching people the significance of biblical names, especially Jesus' name. She had authored a number of hymns and in 1870 wrote this one. And that's the focus of today's program, isn't it? Yes, and of the many hymns that she authored, only this one survives in today's hymnals. It's caused people to take the name of Jesus with them, because it will joy and comfort give you, as we see in the first verse. Then in the second verse, and because Jesus' name serves as a shield for 
from every snare. The name of Jesus our Lord and Savior, they, those names are significant, aren't they, Linda? Yes. And getting back to Ms. Baxter, she was a lifelong student of the Bible and loved to discuss the significance of scriptural names with her friends. She wrote, Take the name of Jesus with you while on her sickbed, four years before her death on June 22, 1874. You know, it seems we get closer to the Lord at the times that we get sick. Yes, soon after the text was penned, William Dole, a well-known gospel songwriter, composed the music. Our hymn was published in Pure Gold for the Sunday School, a collection edited by Dole and another famous composer of gospel songs, Robert Lowry. Perhaps known best for his beautiful hymn, Shall We Gather at the River? The scripture reference provided in the collection was Psalm seventy-two, nineteen, and blessed be the, his glorious name forever. The use of take, take the name of Jesus with you in the Moody Sankey revivals during the last part of the 19th century helped to increase the popularity, its popularity, I understand. Yes, William Dole also wrote music for a number of texts written by Fanny Crosby. An active and humble layman, he was also a man of some financial means. Among his projects was the donation of funds that led to the construction of the Dole Memorial Music Building at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Miss Baxter loved to discuss the meanings of Bible names, didn't she? Yes, Miss Baxter loved to discuss the meanings uh, such as Sarah, Princess, Samuel, Ast of God, and Isaac, Laughter, are well-known examples. However, Mrs. Baxter's favorite biblical name was the one that meant Savior, Jesus. He was the joy of her spirit. His name was the one she would call on when, she, when her pain or circumstance seemed to be overwhelming. He was a savior indeed, and the joy of her spirit was seen in many of her songs of enthusiasm. Yes, this is the way Mrs. Baxter shared her enthusiasm for Christ was in her writing, which includes several hymns. Our hymn this week is just one hymn that is still familiar today. Take the name of Jesus with you was widely used in the Moody Sankey Revival meetings in the late 1800s. In this particular hymn, Mrs. Baxter shares with the world the secret armor that strengthened her soul. Take the name of Jesus ever as a shield from every snare. If temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. The word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, in, which means I in, and theos, which means God. As we focus on being in God and knowing Him, we will have such a joy in our spirits that our souls will overflow with enthusiasm. In 1885, a book of her poems were published entitled Gems by the Wayside, or Religious and Domestic Poems. 
This hymn became popular during the Moody Sankey Evangelistic Crusades in the late 19th century. The song is also known as Precious Name, Oh How Sweet. Hymnologist Kenneth Oxbeck notes, Her friends used to say that a visit to her sick room was not so, so much to give her encouragement and comfort, but to receive some buoyancy for their own spirits. Of all the biblical names she knew, the name of Jesus meant the most to her. The name of Jesus means Savior, and it comes from the same Hebrew root from which the names of Joshua and Joash came. Friends and visitors were often astounded with with someone with such a physical difficulty and limitations, and they could be so cheerful and have such a cheerful disposition to which he would reply, I have a very special armor. I have the name of Jesus. When the tempter tries to make me blue or despondent, I mention the name, and he can't come through me anymore. The stanzas of Precious Name explore the power in Jesus' name. Stanza 1 finds comfort and joy. Stanza 2 focuses on Jesus' name as a shield against temptations. Stanza 3 explores the intimate nature and relationship between Jesus and his followers. His loving arms receive us. You know, stanza 4 is an, an antithesis of the previous stanza and refers to Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Stan, uh, Maxter begins at the name of Jesus bowing, falling prostrate at his feet. King of kings in heaven will crown him when our journey is complete. Note the similar tone of Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath exalt, highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in the heavens and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The refrain, though employing a kind of speech common for its day, it may seem somewhat cloying by today's standards. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Names were important in the Bible. When God called Abraham, he changed Abram to Abraham because you'll be the father of multitude of nations. Jesus said, uh, uh, Genesis 17.4. And he changed names, Jacob's name to Israel in Genesis 35.10 which would become the name of God's people. The scripture, especially the Old Testament, often ex explains the significance of a person's name, sometimes tell a story of God changing a person's name to fit their new calling. Jesus' name is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Yahweh, God saves. The New Testament gives Jesus many titles, Christ, Messiah, Lord, Master, etc. But Jesus, God saves, is his name. The phrase, hope of the earth, 
and joy of heaven is worth consideration. Hope, which we have on earth, is future-oriented. Jesus gave us hope of salvation, a vision of heavenly kingdom, which we have attained in part, but attained fully only in the future. Joy, however, is something enjoyed in the presence, and heaven has already begun to experience the joy of Jesus' salvation work. It knows already that we on earth are in the midst of learning. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means interpreted is God with us. Matthew one twenty 20-23. Let's take a look at the names that God reveals as God reveals himself to us through many different names in the Bible. No single name can describe all that God is. In fact, God uses each and every one of his names to reveal different parts of his character to us. Shown in the scripture, each of these names has great significance. Abba, Father, have you ever thought about God as a daddy? Well, Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. It's an, Amer- an, an Arabic word meaning daddy or father. It's a term of warm affection, affection, intimacy, and respect for one's father. For some of you, that may sound like something irreverent or a way to address God irreverently, but Jesus called God our Father in Matthew 6, 9, and he gives us the same right. In America, children call their fathers daddy, but in the Middle East, they say Abba. Jesus says that we can call the great God of the universe Abba Father, Daddy. Adoniah, Lord Master, yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God in Ezekiel 16, 8b. When you call God Adoniah, you are acknowledging both his leadership and his ownership as your Lord, Master, and Ruler. While this should cause you to approach God with greater reverence, it can also invoke emotions of great, deep gratitude because you recognize his loving ownership. You can abandon your will to Adonaiah because you know he commands you for your good. You can thank him 
or the times he has brought you through the difficulties, protected you, even corrected you for your benefit. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The name Alpha and Omega represents God as the beginning and the end. The noted historian H.G. Wells made a list of the ten greatest men of history, and number one on that list was Jesus Christ. But Jesus doesn't belong on that list. He doesn't belong on anybody's list. He is Jesus, the first and the last. Jesus said in Revelation, I am Alpha and Omega. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. If Jesus was speaking to an English audience, he would say, I am A and Z. Did you know that the Bible is made up of just 26 letters? What Jesus is saying about the written word is true about the living word. John 1 tells us, In the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was in the beginning as the word of God. And he is God's final word through all eternity. Adequa human, the ancient of days. What do you think about it when you hear this name for God, ancient of days? Well, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end and the beginning from ancient times to that not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do my ple- all my pleasure. Only God can tell in ancient times the things that are not yet done. Thomas Watson, who was the chairman of IBM, said in 1943 that there's a world market for maybe five computers. In 1977, Ken Olson, the founder of Digital Equipment, said there's no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. It's comments like these that help us see how foolish we are to think that we can know the future. Only God is the Ancient of Days. Christos, the Anointed One. First John 4, 2 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. John uses two names, Jesus, which refers to his human name, and Christ, which refers to his divine title. Jesus Christ is fully man and fully Messiah at the same time. Christ, which means Messiah, the Anointed One, is his divine title. Jesus is God in human flesh. This is a fundamental doctrine of our faith that God stepped out of heaven and took upon human took upon himself human flesh that we call the incarnation and this means flesh when jesus christ took upon himself humanity he did not take it while he was here on earth and then laid it aside when he went back to heaven he took his humanity back to heaven with him 
For all eternity, Jesus Christ will be a man. El Che, the living God, my soul longs, yes, even faints to the courts of the Lord. My hearts and my flesh cry out for a living God. Psalms 84, 2. Your God, the living God, is real and powerful. When you acknowledge him as El Chaya, I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's spelled E-L-C-H-A-Y. You understand that all the little gods that are always in lowercase and wood and stone idols of the past and entertainments and enchantments and stocks and markets and tickers of today are not worthy of worship. The little gods cannot speak. They cannot be carried because they cannot go by themselves. They cannot do evil nor can they do good. Jeremiah 10, 10, 5. The living God, El Child, transcends culture and time. He speaks to you through his word and walks with you through your struggles. No wonder the psalmist's soul longed for him. El Day, the God of knowledge. If we think about God's omnipotence, he knows everything. God is the God of all knowledge. God inhabits eternity. God sees the beginning. God sees the middle. God sees the end. God sees it all at one time. God is all-knowing. He can't learn anything. God knows everything that's not going to happen. Not a blade of grass moves, but what he knows it. If you're saved, God knew that you would receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can take God by surprise. God never says, oops, I never thought of that. God is a nissant. I don't understand how he swung the stars in the night sky, scooped the oceans up, and heaped up the mountains, and runs this mighty universe. Romans 11.34 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? We don't have to know all that our Father does for him to be our Father. El Elyon, the God of the Most High. El Elyon speaks of the supremacy of God. He is above all. Now, what does El Elyon mean? The word means the strongest of the strong and the highest of the high. Hinduism and pantheism speaks of God as part of the universe, but God is not part of the universe. He is transcendent God. He is above all. He is the most high God. Jesus is our El Elyon. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and in earth, and the earth that are visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. God is above all things. Jesus is our El Elyon. El Gibhor, the mighty God. 
For unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, in Isaiah 9.6. The scripture, written more than 700 years before the birth of Christ, prophesies Messiah will be the El, the one true God, and Gibhar, the mighty God. As you pray, recognizing prophecies fulfillment in Jesus as El Gibhar, see his might in creation before his earthly life began. All things were created through him and for him in John 1.3 and Colossians 1.16. See him as the mighty God of ministry, commanding the weather as he calms the storm, dominating physical elements as he turns water into wine, overpowering diseases of the body and mind, and even the demons of hell. Contemplate his might in rising from the grave, and thank him for his power, giving you strength for every challenge and security for all eternity. Elohim, the everlasting God. Elohim is the everlasting God that never changes. We see in Psalms 91 and 2 where it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What a wonderful thing to know that in a changing world, God doesn't change. Time does not alter God. Psalms 90 verse 4 says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, and like a watch in the night. Well, what do all these verses mean? There are no surprises to God. As Corey Tim Boom said, there's no panic in heaven. God knows the past and the future at the same time. Jesus is our Elion. He is the king of the ages. Hebrews 1.8 says, Your throne of God is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Elro, the God who sees, who sees. Elro was first revealed in the Bible by Hagar. She was Sarah's handmaiden, who became pregnant with Abraham's child. So, in their minds, they could fulfill the promise of God. Soon after the child was conceived, things became very difficult between Sarah and her, so much so that Hagar fled out into the wilderness, friendless, homeless, pregnant, not knowing what would become of her, she lay down by a fountain in the wilderness. There an angel appeared to her to give her comfort and to speak of God's grace and mercy. Genesis 16:13 says, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Did you know that God sees you right now? God knows your very thoughts. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. El Shaddai, the God Almighty, 
El Shaddai is the Almighty God. The name El Shaddai appears seven times in the Word of God. As we read the newspapers, we can go back to the book of Genesis and see that immutable, unbreakable promises that God made to Abraham. Genesis 17, 1 and 2 says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am God, the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make a covenant between you and me, and I will multiply you exceedingly. This promise has changed the word, the world. Every Jew on the face of the earth is a living testimony of the truthfulness and faithfulness of Almighty God. And this God who keeps his promise to Abraham is the same God that keeps his promises to you and me through Jesus Christ. Elohim the Creator. Elohim is the name for God. Our Creator, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It literally says, in the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. That's the Hebrew word from two root words. El, which means strength and unlimited power. And the last part is Allah, which means to keep a promise. Elohim is also a plural noun. I believe that right here on the threshold of the Bible, we see an indication of the nature of God, as shown in the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three were present in creation. See John 1.3. Aren't you glad we find the Savior in chapter 1, verse 1? Aren't you glad we find the Holy Spirit in chapter 1, verse 1? Aren't you glad we find the Father in chapter 1, verse 1 of the Word of God? Emmanuel, go with us. In Isaiah 7:14, the Bible says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin, virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, shall, and he shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The Bible tells us that in that verse that Jesus would be uh, virgin born. Later in Isaiah 9 through 6, 9 6, the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A child is born speaks of Jesus' humanity. A son is given speaks to Jesus' deity. Jesus left his throne of glory and stepped out into of the ivory palace and came down into this world of woe. A Lord came not in a jeweled chariot accompanied by angels, but through the portal as a virgin's womb. There's no way that can you, you can be saved apart from that virgin birth. It's fundamental. Jesus was born of a virgin that he might be God-made Emmanuel, God is human flesh, sent to the earth for us. Jehovah, Yahweh, 
the self-existent one. The name Jehovah is used some 6,800 times in the Bible. It is the personal covenant name of Israel's God. In the King James Version of the Bible, it's translated as Lord God. Not only does it speak of God's strength, but also it speaks of the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God. The root of this name means self-existing, one who never came into being and one who always will be. When Moses asked God, Who shall I tell Pharaoh has sent me? God said, I am that I am. I am. Jehovah or Yahweh is the most intensely sacred name to Jewish scribes and many will not even pronounce the name. When possible, they use another name. Jehovah Bor means the Lord Creator. Can you imagine what modern writer would do if, if tried to describe the creation of the heavens and the earth? Even if he believed in God, what an are tremendous objective that would would be to try to pour out what double jointed or obtuse terms would he use to describe the creation of the earth aren't you glad that God said it surely sweetly sublimely and simply in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth how beautiful that is God created the heavens and the earth. It always tickles to me to read how the scientists are trying to discover the mystery of creation of the universe. They just scratch their heads and say, we got to go back to the laboratory now, and lots of things we thought that weren't right, we don't know. God just spoke it, and it was so. Jehovah's Jireh, the Lord our provider. Yareh Jireh is from the same Hebrew word as Moriah, which is the name of the region where God sent Abraham to sacrifice Isaac in Genesis 22. In Genesis 22:11-13 we read, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. God provided the lamb. And Abraham called the place Jehovah-Yahweh. God is our substantiary sacrifice. Jehovah-Saboth literally means the Lord Almighty. It speaks of the sovereignty of God over all the powers of the universe. The second stanza of Martin Luther's Hilma Mighty Fortress is our God. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not, we're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing 
didn't ask who that may be. Jesus Christ is he. Lord Sabbath, his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. David understood this greatness of God when he went against Goliath and took five smooth stones in the sling. David said to Goliath, You come to me with a sword and a spear and, and a javelin, but I come with you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. 1 Samuel 17:45. Oh, that each of us would have the same conception of God in our own battles. Jehovah Mekadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, in Leviticus 27-8. This name for God describes who he is, holy, and what he does makes us holy. His purpose for you, his priority, is holiness. This is more than moral purity. It's being set apart only for God. God said in Leviticus 11.45, Be holy, for I am holy. This may sound impossible, but God gives this command with the promise that he will work holiness into you. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. In the New Testament, Philippians 1.6 promises, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Praise Jehovah Kadesh for his faithfulness to make you holy. Jehovah Nisai, Lord our banner. The Lord is our banner of us all the time. The Hebrew for banner comes from the word to be high or raised. This was a name given to the altar that Moses erected to commemorate the defeat of the Amicalites or at, at uh, uh, Rephidim. Exodus 17, 8, 15. He goes before us and behind us to give us victory in all the circumstances of life. Even in the midst of battles, the banner of the Lord is raised over us. Psalms 30, 23, 5 says, You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Who is the God that prepares a table of celebration in the presence of the enemy? When the enemy shall come like a flood, then shall the Lord hold up his banner before him. The victory in all of life is the Lord's. The Lord is a reigning banner over all the time. The Hebrew for banner is a root word to be high and raised. This was a name given to the altar that Moses erected to commem commemorate the defeat of the Amicalites at Rephidim. Exodus 17, 8, 15. He goes, he goes before us and behind us 
gives us victory in all circumstances of life. Even in the midst of battle, the banner of the Lord is raised over us. Psalms 23, 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Who is the God that prepares a table of celebration in the presence of the enemy? When the enemy shall come like a flood, then shall the Lord hold a banner before him. The victory of all of life is the Lord's. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Does Jesus heal? Yes, he is the Almighty Lord, our healer. He can heal instantaneously by a miracle. He can heal over time through medicine. But let me add that not every saint will be healed in this lifetime, either by miracle or by medicine, or instantaneously or in time. Right now, God is more interested in having you holy rather than healthy. Our bodies are not yet redeemed. The redemption of the body is going to come at the rapture of the church and the resurrection of the Christian dead. It is at that time that we will be made like unto him. There is no sickness in the Lord's body, and there will be no sickness in our resurrection body. If you are not healed in this life, child of God, you will be healed in eternity. Jehovah Raha. Jehovah Rahai, I believe. The Lord our Shepherd, Psalms 23 and John 10, are the most beautiful description of God our Savior, Shepherd. Jehovah Rahai, when we say Lord, we think of God's identity. When we say my Shepherd, we think of God's humanity. God is human from Jesus Christ, prophesied in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. As the Good Shepherd, he dealt with the penalty of sin. He is the Great Shepherd. He deals with the power of sin. As the Chief Shepherd, He's coming to take us from the very presence of sin. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. The Lord greeted Gideon in peace. So he built an altar and named it, the Lord is peace. See Judges 6, 23 through 24. You have probably heard the blessing Shalom from Jewish friends and acquaintances. It means peace. More importantly, it means the Lord our peace. Where does the shepherd lead his sheep? Besides the peaceful, still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters in Psalms 23:2. When your heart is content, you are at peace. And where does that contentment come from? The grace of God. There's no man more discontent than one who is not experiencing the amazing grace of God. Only in Jesus will you find security sufficiency and serenity jehovah shemaha let me spell it because i know i didn't say that right jehovah s-h-a-m-m-a-h the lord is there 
Psalms 139.7 ask, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? And what is the answer? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Someone said that God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. There is not a, a murmur. There's n- n- but that he hears it. There's not a movement but what he sees it. There's not a moment but what he knows it. Neither death, darkness, nor distance can hide us. When I am discouraged, his, his presence sees me, though. And it sees me through. When I am lonely, his presence cheers me up. Praise God for that. When I am worried, his presence calms me down. Thank you, Lord. When I am tempted, his presence helps me out. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. <clears throat> we are not righteous in and of ourselves. Our righteousness comes from God and God alone. Jesus imputes his righteousness into us so that we can see God. For you see, Hebrews twelve fourteen says that without him, we who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that terrific? You see, if you are a child of God, you are holy. Are you feeling that you can't live the Christian life? That's right. You're right where you need to be. You see, God never asked you to live the Christian life apart from him. He wants to be your strength. He wants to live the Christian life through you and do for you what you could never do for yourself. Jesus, the Lord saves. And he will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, Matthew one twenty one. God's names would be merely academic exercise if we will fail to connect the names to the person of Jesus Christ. The angel told Joseph in a dream to call his son Jesus for a reason. When Joseph and Mary dedicated their son in the temple, the old priest Simeon immediately connected salvation to the person of Jesus and praised God that he had lived to see his Savior. Read that in Luke 2.30. If you have not yet given your life to him, call on Jesus. The Lord says he very much wants to draw close to you. Ask him forgiveness of your sin, to be your Lord and grant you salvation. That can be found in no other name but his. Mayan, our dwelling place. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, in Psalms 91. Moses called God his dwelling place. That is a significant statement considering Moses lived as an infant, hidden in slave quarters and in a basket in the Nile River. 
grew up in a palace but fled to the desert and spent the last several decades of his life wandering in the wilderness. Sometimes we put down roots and believe we own a place. We grow attached to the land. But Moses, throughout his nomadic life, knew the truth. Our real home is found only in my own. This was true for Moses and his generation. It is true for more than 3,000 years later. It is true for the homeless and it is true for the mansion dweller. Hold fast to my own, our dwelling place. Wherever you are, you will always be at home. Messiah, the Anointed One. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. John 1.41 When Andrew told Simon, later called Peter, We have found the Messiah, he believed Jesus to be the anointed or chosen one. Scripture had promised a deliverer for the Jewish people. You could see Isaiah 42, 1, 61, 1 through 3, Psalm 16, 22, and Daniel 9. The disciples learned over the course of Jesus' ministry that the salvation they expected, the delivery from the Roman masters and, and an earthly kingdom, would be far exceeded. After Christ's death and resurrection, they finally understood the Messiah's true aspiration. Delivery from sin and eternal kingdom. Do you ever miss the true role of the Messiah by focusing on what you want him to do for you today and forget about what he came here to do for you? your eternity. Go to the anointed one and pray and thank him for the ultimate salvation. I am that I am is a common English translation of Hebrew phrase that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce and that means I am or I will become what I choose to become or I am what I am can also be I will be what I will be. Also, I create whatever I create, or I am the existing one. The traditional English translation within Judaism favors, I will be what I will be, because the imperfect aspect in modern Hebrew is normally used for future tense, and there is no present tense with direct object of the verb to be in the Hebrew language. Hope, which we have on earth, is future-oriented. Jesus gives us the hope of salvation, a vision of a heavenly kingdom, which we have attained in part, but will attain fully only in the future. Joy, however, is something enjoyed in the present, and heaven has already begun to experience the joy of Jesus' salvation work. It knows already what we on earth are in the midst of learning. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, the son of David, fear not to take upon thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. In Matthew 1, 20-23. Folks, I know we've covered much in this study of names of God here today. When I was led to do this study, I began to research the subject of names, and I thought it would be difficult, uh, the, the names of God, that is, and I thought it really would be difficult subject to find material on. Boy, was I wrong. I found enough material to write out 125 pages of written notes, typewritten notes. I realized there would be no way I could cover it in one program. We're about out of time, and I'd only, I've only covered 18 pages of my notes. I have to stop here. I hope this has stimulated you to look at how God addresses himself in his word. God identifies himself by his attributes. God is what he does. When we address him this way, we display in action our faith in him and what we believe that he can do in our lives. I think it's appropriate to call him the great provider when we have a need to take before him or address him as Abba Father when we have an intimate need for our daddy. Addressing him in this way expresses our trust in him and our knowledge that he is able and he is faithful to meet our needs. God expects us to meet him with faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, the word says. He says to us, when we have faith in God and we trust him, it produces a person that does what he says and what he asks. That's what James meant when he said, faith without works is dead. Works did not save us. God's clear on that. All our works is as filthy rags. There is nothing we can do in ourselves to attain salvation. But when he does it in us, it's the real thing. Jesus does the regenerative work in, uh, with us and in us. We all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. We do not measure up to his holy standard. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid for our every sin and the debt of it on the cross of Calvary. He made a way we must believe it, accept it as truth in our lives. Let him change us when we become a doer of the word of God. We have an everlasting life in the eternal heavens, not made by hands, but made by the word of God Almighty. 
what love is this displayed by Jesus that he realizes this and we can apply it to our lives. And those of us that do realize this and apply it to our lives know it because it changes our heart and our lives. Without Abba, our Daddy, we can't do that. He is in us. He is part of us. The Bible says that we can know that by our love. What a wonderful God we serve. Today I want to ask you, if you like this love I'm talking about, to ask God, Abba, to forgive you. Invite Jesus to bring the love of God into your heart and let the Holy Spirit come in and change your life for something so much better that he has to offer you than what the world has to offer you. Then find yourself a Bible-believing church and become part of it. And be with the family of God. If you don't know of a church where you can can, can where you live, give me a contact. Call give me an email at glenn.dawson at twc.com. I'll be delighted to help you find a church or talk to you more about any need that you might have in your life. You can also reach out to us on our webpage at www.glenndawsonea.com. That's G-L-E-N-N Dawson E-A. You can sign up for our newsletter, write our email, find a link to our YouTube audio channel with 180 free songs to listen to for free, or just read information about us there. You can hear, our, hear all our music using Alexa, if you like. You just, uh, uh, or you can do it on other interfaces, I'm, I'm sure. But with, you can say, play the music of Glenn Dawson, and music will just take off and begin to play. Well, folks, our time is up for this week. And we've enjoyed your visit. Join us again next week and every week on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. Hope to see you next week. And remember, we love Love you all. all. Bye Bye for now. now.